This is us. After show. Yeah. Welcome to the Essence House After Show. This week we're going to be talking about Chapter Three: The Healing Hands of Time. I'm your host Jess, and tonight joining me is creators Eric Cockrell. Hey. Hey. And not Tim Edmund. Woo! Also known as Chuck <laughs> I'm not taking all the blame for this shit. Your name is. <laughs> I'll take 17% of the blame. <laughs> Seems reasonable. 17, huh? Of the blame. 17? I'll take 84% of the uh of the love. Aw. Yeah. See? See? So I guess we don't have to say there's spoilers because if you're watching this at this point, you you should yeah, know. It's only available to patrons. So if you're watching it right now, it's kind of on you to have watched the third episode, uh, which was also, as of this recording, only available to patrons. Let's talk a little bit about episode three or chapter three. In this episode, Tristan kind of shows Tim what's going on. Yeah, they have some good talks in this one. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I I like this one a lot. I felt like um, this one was probably one of the more emotional. Like this is where we really got to kind of see the two of them together, and it was a little more on. I mean, obviously, there's still some issues back and forth and whatnot, but it was a lot more, um, a lot calmer. The first one, it was just like, you know, or, well, sorry, episode two, it was just about, you know, show me what's going on, what the hell is in the shed. But this one was a little more like, I feel like at the end of it now, they both have no clue what's going on. Like, now they're equally in the dark. The first couple episodes, it was very, like, adversarial. Like, is that the word I'm looking for? Like, they were they were kind of there was like some weirdness between the two, and so they're finally like like you said like chill and just talking about what's going on, and um, and I think yeah Tristan has like an, an idea of what's up with Essence House, but he doesn't have the full picture, and um, he pretty much catches Tim up on everything he knows. So the playing field's pretty even there. We also got our first scenes without Tim, where we got a scene with Rick and a scene with Rick, uh, with uh, Tristan. So even that part of the narrative is starting to build, where it's like it's not just all about Tim now. Yep, and that that does definitely continue, yep. which is cool. Like there's some next next week's episode has some. Uh, some I'm not gonna say anything. I see Justin. Just thinks I'm gonna say something, but I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> I'm just gonna trail off my words and <laughs> this episode has some that that that. At least we're gonna get into some stuff this week. Maybe we can talk about a little bit of stuff. I think get we should some, talk about some stuff. Maybe get some questions answered. Ooh yeah. Ooh. I think that the uh there's a bombshell this week. 
like in terms of like the overall picture and powers of Essence House. Right? This is the right episode. <laughs> right. Uh, with with with, uh, with Grandpa Roland. That that's the bombshell yeah. that I was thinking. Yeah, it was my bombshell. <laughs> I was waiting to watch. This was great because I was like, Eric's like searching. He's like, shit. Hey, you, guys, you guys talk amongst yourself. I'm gonna listen to the episode real quick. Just pop in. Was this uh, the one where um where Tim's sister died, or is that the next episode? <laughs> 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 that would be horrible. That would be horrible. She just had a baby. <laughs> right? That's I, I would go to my head. I'm like, which person can I kill off and no one will believe it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Essence House gets dark. <laughs> Essence House kind of started dark, though. So basically, so we know about the plane crash and we know that. Tim and Tristan are trying to go back in time using the powers of the Essence House to the year of the plane crash. Now, I guess it kind of makes you wonder, Has Trist Tristan has traveled back before. Is that correct? Yeah. They, uh, that's, been, that's been mentioned, him and Tim. Traveling with their grandfather. Okay, okay. When they were children, right? Yeah. But if you if you watch the episode, or sorry, well, yeah, listen to the episode, you can tell that he hasn't necessarily had to do it himself. Because he has to go to the record store, and he, he's trying to find all these things, like, what can I do to, to remind me of that year? And so, and of course, we have all those great, throwback 1995 uh easter eggs going on yeah so um yeah i mean he's obviously he obviously kind of understands to a certain point but it also looks like he doesn't fully know like he really kind of went all out that's not that that's all in there right <laughs> yes <laughs> that was the uh, second half of the episode yeah so they're going back in time to where the plane crash occurred. In you know, is it are they trying to affect time? And if they affect time, like does it affect the timeline? Can they change the past and make the future different? Or does it create another timeline? Or are they just going back as that's the age old um Paradox and time travel stories, I guess. Um, yeah, there's. We can't really disclose anything specific about that, I guess, uh, right now. But that is always one that's of the. That's really up to you. Do you think? I mean, that, that that's kind of moving forward. Do you think that that's possible? And if they do, how will that affect affect things? We have some great questions I wanted to get to. From view, not viewers, from listeners, we have a great question from Wendy tonight. So this is after this is when they've already passed through the Essence House, and uh, Wendy says Tim is in a daze as he stares at his phone. 
and he's seeing a vision of the past parties thrown at the house. It seems to be similar, a similar effect on the women in the debutante shop in the first episode. But there was a message on her phone. Was it someone communicating with her from the past or was it an alternate timeline? Was someone, maybe his grandfather, doing the same with Tim? I love that you guys are asking those questions. Cause now, now like now you get it. And that that's not meaning that I'm saying yes or no or anything. It just means that now you get that any of this stuff could have happened at any time. And now that's going to have to slowly happen. And, and yeah, I think there's one thing about this um, so far doing like doing this after show thing has been cool because any of the questions and points that have come up are like things that we intentionally like planted. Like it was just cool, like quick affirmation that we were doing that part. Well, I think. No, I would agree, Eric and Chuck. If people are asking the questions, that means you're hitting the right parts of the story and you're getting us to think. Cause the essence house is such a mystery. Let's move on to the next question here. Tristan mentions that Rick told their grandfather, who shouldn't have even been there, that nobody brought him back because he was a coward. So the ability... Yeah, I'm sorry? That was super mean. That was... Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so the ability to bring people back from the dead, or at least within the Edmund, Edmunds family, has been around for some time. Question mark? I didn't... I didn't raise it at the end sometime. I made it as a statement, but that was the question. Yes? I mean, that's... Is is it possible? It's plausible. Second part of the question, are they a family of witches? What is a witch, really? What'd you say? What is a witch, really? A magic user? Well, so I would say so far there's been no um, there's been no evidence to say which. Okay. There's no now. There's certainly evidence towards some sort of magic or something like that, but specifically which nothing like that yet. Wizards. As far as the time frame goes, I think in episode two we mentioned. Um, something happened a hundred years ago, and so like there's a good range there. So yeah. it depends on how, what you think is a long time. But so okay, so how far back did you guys go? Like, are these like are they maybe from a bloodline of magical Europeans or something that came to America and built the Essence House from their magical European wood? Wow. <laughs> Magical European wood from the maybe the uh, the some forest in Europe, maybe Germany, where there's a magic forest. I don't know. Magic magical magical European wood was actually going to be my porn name, believe it or not. <laughs> um, no, um, uh, we've gone back. Okay. Um, we and, and I mean at least obviously. The hundred years that we're able to 
we've been able to specify that. But even you have to go even further than that because you have to understand the origins of that kind of stuff. So we've gone way far back, and that's about as far as I can go with that. Yeah. Are they are they pilgrims? Are they pilgrims? Magical? I don't know. Are pilgrims magical? We're actually we're pilgrims like Puritans, like the yeah. exact opposite of magical. Yeah, yeah, like anti-magical. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. Okay, so here's uh, another one. It says, it didn't hit me the first time I listened, but now I'm wondering how somebody would feel to find out that the grandfather they grew up with, knowing it was a, knowing he was a ghost. That'd be really conflicting, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a bit of the, uh, there's a bit of like mind fuckery, like in this whole story, I think. Um, I think next episode we get into a little bit more of that too, but yeah, I think um, there's definitely some weirdness. Like a lot of, I think it causes a lot of confusion, particularly like in the first episode with Tim and uh, the discussion he had with Barnabas. Um, we, I was gonna say on a, on the page here we had a comment from Kieran that says, "Ah, Barnabas was right." Barnabas was right. Yeah. I thought Barnabas might have been a nut and just been yelling at Tim, but now we know Barnabas was right. Yeah. Which which then goes on to 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 say like what what does he know? What is up with him? Who is he? Like yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the fun thing is that once you guys get an answer, then it brings out another thousand questions. Like how the heck did he know? Yeah, like I'd yeah. like to get in more a little bit uh Find out a little bit about what Barnabas knows, for sure. Well, and I mean, it's something, it, it's a really cool thought, because then, like, how would you feel if you found out that the 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 family that you connected with when you were young, they, they weren't really alive? Does that make your your memories any more or less real? You know, what, is, what does that do exactly? I mean, before Tim, before Tristan relates that story to Tim, Tim has fond memories going back of um, going on trips with his grandfather. And he, at the very beginning of this episode, he talks about all the fam the holiday parties where his grandfather would tell, would do his speech and get a little tipsy and pass out in the office. Like those are very like real moments that he had. And it turns out that at that point, Grand, his grandfather wasn't even alive. So. So nuts. But is he a ghost or is he is to like the person they're seeing existing, they're still alive or are they like, are they still alive in a different timeline? Is he, or are I they going so. back in time? I think that's the sort of thing we'll, um, we'll be visiting, but I don't think that there's much we can say about that, right? Well, well and I mean, not to, but Roland does kind of answer that in that, because even when um, Tristan's talking to him, Roland says, uh, I'm here, but I'm not, you know? And so 
You know, basically he's saying, I'm dead for you, but I'm not dead for me. Yeah, that's true. So it is kind of answered, but even still, what does that mean? And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that we will get further into, but that's tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Last week, or you know, like two weeks ago, you would have begged for this information. Actually, I think you did. <laughs> we can no. finally get a little bit of it. No, I'm happy because I we are getting answers today. We actually are, and it's it, and so it's working. It's working. <laughs> so the next uh, question we have says, um, "While on the plane, Rick says they're going to screw it up for all of us. Screw up what?" What is Rick planning to do with the magic of Essence House? And who is us? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rick is really one that we can't really talk too much about yet. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Huh. All right. Yeah. But he, I mean, obviously, his ties to it um, are huge. And he obviously seems to know more than everybody else. Which yes. kind of creates this sort of tear effect, where you had Tim on the very bottom, had no idea. Then Tristan, who had some information, but still not enough to really be as helpful as they want. And then Rick, who appears to know exactly what's going on, though even that we're not 100% certain of. So, I mean, we do know that Rick was trying to keep Tristan away from the house. Yeah. Um, and that he had had a conversation with Tristan at some point, because there's a reference to that. Um, and yeah, we we know that Tim was expected to keep Tristan away. Yes. But at the end of this episode, he pretty much just dismisses altogether. Yeah, true, right? Because they had. I, and I like that moment. Yeah. Because then at that point, point. He has to make a choice. He has to choose between Uncle Rick and the new new job or Tristan. And he chose Tristan, which kind of it kind of shows where his lo loyalties really lie. Because if you really look at the episode, and, and even I'm kind of, you know, sort of catching on with that, he he doesn't make the choice out of, you know, wanting to see the past or wanting to help or any of that kind of stuff. He really does it to make sure that Tristan doesn't doesn't die yeah, alone. Yeah, at that point. And so, I think yeah, too that he was acting um, on his uncle's orders earlier and stuff. But now he's got a lot lot of new information and probably a lot of curiosity. Obviously, a lot of curiosity to go along with that. So he's still a lot less curious than than. Tristan, which is kind of funny because Tristan had all this information, and Tim's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, he was like, this No, I'm not going to do that. This is happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, up at, to the end of episode three, we're led to believe that if Tristan's plan, plan worked, they would find themselves in the Essence House in the past. But they end up somewhere else. Yeah. I know you can't tell us. <laughs> I think, and that was a surprise to Tristan. 
Um, which maybe you don't find that till the next episode, but whatever. I don't think that's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, clearly Tristan is expecting to show up at Essence House, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And you Patreon users, you'll know in a week. So I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> at, at least you're at least you're not those uh the, the freebies, they have to wait another three weeks <laughs> for episode four. It's funny, actually, my cousin uh, messaged me the other day, and he said, what happened? Where, where's episode three? You said it was up. And I was like, no, it's up on the Patreon. He's like, oh, so how long do I have to wait? Uh, wait. I was like, another two weeks. Ah, oh, fine. So supposedly he's addicted, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, fork over two dollars. <laughs> two dollars, you know, right? Come on, do two bucks. Two bucks. For Some people's children. <laughs> <laughs> so this question has come up a couple times, or something, or a similar vein, bringing up. Um, the birthday thing. We have a question from Travis Gibb that says, with there being so many generations of people in the family being born on the same day, is it possible that they're all the same person at different points in their life? That's heady. Um, I mean, with Tristan and Tim... That's difficult because they actually like literally shared a childhood and now they're adults sharing adulthood. So plus there's also um, like female family members and such also. Yeah. That share the birthday. I don't know yeah. if it's directly referenced to that, but well, actually Tim's uh, niece is born in the second episode. Yep. On, on that birthday. Uh, Travis Gibb gave us that last question. I did want to give him a shout out. He's a, a good buddy of ours. He's also a fellow comic creator. And he has an amazing book. Uh, Broke Down and, and Four Dead Bodies. I love the series. Issue 3 is on Kickstarter right now. So I wanted to give him uh, a shout out and some love. If you've got the chance, go check out Kick, uh, Kickstarter. Find Broke Down. It's honestly, uh, Wendy and I, we own the first two issues. We've already jumped on the Kickstarter for the third issue. And I have, uh, he and I talk a lot about this series and it's really good. So I think if you love uh, Quentin Tarantino style uh, crime dramas, this is it right here. How much time is left on that one? Um, 17 days. Okay. When we put, when we post the video, we can toss the link in the comments on it too. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. When Tristan and Tim. Go back in time. They pick up a record and they play it and it brings them back. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you chose the song you chose? So when I was looking for um, a record, I, I pulled up just a list of records that came out uh, at that time. And... At first, I had picked a Ramones album, um, 
but it actually turned out that that one came out the year after. Oh. And the Ramones choice was, um, I mean, for one, like I've always rooted in like punk rock music myself. Um, so I lean that way, but um, also just the, I see that smirk, Chuck. Dude, Ramones is just one of those bands, even if you're not a punk fan, yeah, you end up having, you like them. And it's the same with, with Willie. You know, even if you're not a country fan, you love Willie Nelson or at least enjoy what he's doing. So the smirk is just because, like, Ramones is just one of those bands. They, they even, despite being punk, they go across every genre. And they're very New York, too. Yeah. I think that, so that kind of drew me to them. Like, I think it's an awesome touch in, like, the Spider-Man movie from a couple years ago. Like using the Ramones on the soundtrack there was amazing. Like it just felt very, you know, appropriate. Um, but yeah, so that, that album didn't work out because of timing. Um, but this album, the I mean, the Healing Hands of Time being the name, and this episode kind of bringing in officially like some sort of time travel element. It just um, it felt appropriate. And who? knew that our voiceover guy could sing. So was that a total yeah. shock? Did you guys ask him to, or what happened I there? I had no idea if he was going to read it or or sing it or whatever, and then I got it back. And as soon as I heard that part, I uh, recorded it on my phone, and I sent it to Chuck, and I was like, Chuck, you got to check this out. you got to hear this, man. <laughs> it blew me away. I was just oh, like, man. wait, what? I honestly, because when you read it, it reads like a poem. So I thought he was just going to read it like a poem. But, dude, he went in, like, full on and did I was like, oh, crap. Do we tip this guy? Like, right? I was <laughs> really good. <laughs> but, yeah, the, um, like, also this episode and then the next one, even more so, like, he brings it. Like, the the emotion is a little stronger. The characters, like you could tell he's getting into I mean, he, he dropped us a note actually saying how much he's really enjoying this project, um, which is really awesome because he's doing an awesome job on it. And yeah, I love this project. So it's cool to, it's cool to have a buy-in from like the whole team like that. Yeah. He's kind of like been like, he's like to our audience. He's like the, the forefront of the project almost like he's what you hear. Yes. The other end, like he's kind of like the invisible partner, that so it's kind of a it's kind of a weird dynamic, but um, yeah, he's he's really bringing it, and that was that was a cool treat that he sang and he sings well. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because it reminds me a lot of like when um, when Eric and I work with artists on our comics, they're they're usually freelancers, so you're just paying a dude to do a job. They're going to draw your book and they want it to look good because they want to look good. When someone looks at those pencils, they, they want people to go, oh, man, even if the writing sucks, this guy's pencils can, can save the day. But th it's like one of those guys being becoming a fan and saying, I love drawing your stuff. And so it's just huge that he would be so excited about it because he's just a freelancer. Like he's. We're not paying him to like it. He doesn't have to like it. Yeah. He literally just has to do the voices, make it sound enjoyable, and then 
move on to his next next job. So the fact that he would go all the way out, sing, and and really find those voices and everything, it's huge. Yeah. No, that's awesome. No, I think it is. Has he is he he's getting into the story too? Mm-hmm. It feels like it. Yeah, it seems like he's, he's he said he's really big on the story and he likes likes working on the project a lot. So that was that was cool to hear. I think it's a fun, unique project for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he's a voiceover guy who does a lot of books and stuff. Like, I know I said on the first episode that it was like a thousand. Um, it was, it's like he's done like fifty on Audible, which is a good number. Um, wow. Yeah. A thousand was a ridiculous number. I think he references that he's had like a thousand reads or something, and I oh. mixed that up. But yeah, he's like he's a regular on Audible. So, um, I mean, we we looked for we looked like we didn't just go and look for you know, we me or Chuck could have easily just read this project, um, though we wanted to do it right. He was professional. He sounded great, and um, I just I couldn't be happier to have him on board. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He he's become before he was just kind of sort of the silent partner, but not silent at all. But no, he was just he was the other guy, and now he really does feel like a part of the team because he's he's bringing it, man. Yeah, and I think his name's Matt, right? Mike, Mike Goodrick. Yeah, I think um, next week in episode four, like I think he like really kills it. Yeah. That's awesome! I can't wait to hear it. No, he's doing a great job, and because like he's really just bringing these people, breathing life into them. Yeah. So and like, I mean, like, I don't know. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, so I mean, I, I know that it's common. Like, they have to, they might have like you know a dozen, few dozen characters in a book, and they have to like make them all different sounding. But like, yeah, it's just it's really cool. Like definitely a talent yeah. like it's not just some chump reading a book no i love it it's just it's it it's better than an audiobook too because there's like sound, there's sound effects cut in and it really brings the story to life and i think when just the moment where mike sings it just makes it kind of like you get so sucked into the story and then it's over yeah so when i got to that part um because I, I put together all the sound effects the um I didn't want to put like any music with it because obviously we don't, we don't have the money to get the legal rights to that song. And um, so like any other music at that point would be off. Like you couldn't just put some generic tune back there. So I went with uh, like a record player, like scratches, like, so it sounds like there's a record spinning and then he sings over it. Um, And then I think my favorite thing that I've gotten to do audio wise so far was at the very end of that episode. So it's got the record scratches going on and then it kind of, as they're being, you know, transported away, um, there's like, a, I don't know, I, I think there's like six different sounds in there that kind of make that final noise, but it's a couple different kinds of winds. And I basically wanted the sound of anxiety. So I've got like the heartbeat going on, like yeah. I got like some crazy winds, a bit of like a howl, and like it just kind of like this thing is happening, and it's it's kind of meaty, and um, 
<laughs> I was really excited when I came when I got that sound together. Like that was another one that I sent to Chuck right away. Like yeah, no, you you killed that man. I I love that, and uh, I was lucky enough to be able to to watch Jess and Wendy listen to that episode, and it was great because I know Wendy and I we tend to watch things the same way, and it's if you're of a certain age. Whenever you were watching TV, you knew that at the 22-minute mark, like, that episode is almost done. Yeah. And so I could see her looking at the time, and she's like, no, no, no. And then she hears that sound. She's just like, you're not going to tell us. And it was just – it was great. Like, I could read it on her face. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, you're not going to find out today. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And you – honestly, that sound just kills it. It does uh, – the the anxiety the, there's also a, a mysteriousness to it yes yeah. you know like that to me that i got that vibe the most is it just there is this essence to it that's all i can say i really wanted it to be like a sound that can be recognizable in the future like as only that you know like yes so i mean because obviously this is going to be a sound that we're going to use like in different places. The next episode, episode four actually begins with that sound because it's all yeah. so um yeah it's I'm almost like um I mean this is another time travel thing, but I don't know if you guys watch Doctor Who. I'm yeah. super casual on that, like but like the when you hear the TARDIS. Yes, the, uh, yeah, yeah, like you know that's the TARDIS noise. Like um so I guess it's, it's kind of like that. Um, it just it needed to have a signature sound to this event going on. It it's funny because I kind of had the same reaction, like that reaction that you had, where you were like, "I need to give everybody these feelings and all that." I felt like I had to do the same thing when I was putting together all the different items that Tristan has to grab in order to to you know feel like he's going you know he grabbed a jacket he grabbed he grabbed a uh, um a shirt you know like he got all this stuff and all originally we had was that he had to have that one Willie Nelson album and i was like man i really want him to just go nuts and grab a bunch of stuff well, and so i had the rangers were the Stanley Cup winners like the, that year like so he get, get the jacket like I was so excited by that. Well, I even falls into place. <laughs> well, and if you look, they had the light blue emblem for only a very short period of time. And it was during that period of time. And so I had such a fun time doing that research and trying to get like dead on into there as much as I could. And it just, it, it's funny how, the Willie Nelson fit in there. The the uh, the Rangers fit in there. Like just all that kind of stuff just worked out somehow. Yeah. So how did you uh, come up with uh, the hyper color? What what triggered that for you, dude? Like, I mean, we're all of a certain age. Wasn't hyper color like the coolest thing? I mean, honestly, I don't understand why we don't have hyper color shirts now. Like. It's true. It was awesome, and obviously it only lasted for so long, but we should have perfected that by now. That technology should have been perfected by now. It should be perfect. You should be able to have a like a hypercolor shirt 
that works all the time perfectly. Um, it doesn't, you know, go bad or or you watch it wrong and it's screwed or whatever. Like, no, man, I, I remember I had one real hypercolor shirt and I loved that thing. It was basically like a mood ring in shirt form, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like if you grabbed it and you held on to it, your, the heat from your body would would change the color. And so if you really like held on hard, the harder you held, the the more bright that new color would show up. So if you went running or whatever, you'd see where you sweat, which I don't understand why we were so happy with that. But maybe that's why everyone cool. died. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Like, it was yeah, also really gross. <laughs> but yeah, it to me it just Hypercolor, I mean, that's, I went back there because that reminded me of my youth. Like, I just, for me, Hypercolor was just one of those cool things. It, it was just so 90s kitsch, you know? Yeah, like, it's like the um, the excessiveness of the 90s. Like, <laughs> I mean, he just as easily could have had like a, like a plaid jacket or something, you know? And right. I could have gone full Nirvana. <laughs> but that was almost too easy. When we were young and we were watching Back to the Future, it didn't make sense because they were going back to the 50s. Right? But now they're going back to the 90s and it makes sense. <laughs> For us, so, yeah. For us. So back to the Future was what? Like 83? 85? 85? Something like that. Mid, mid to early 80s. And he went back to 65? Or 55. Six. Had to 55. 1955. Yeah, right? Come on. Go back 30 years. So this is 25 years. So it's roughly like as old as that felt when we were kids that he went back that far. Oh, like yeah. we said, our characters, like at the end of the episode, they're heading back nearly that far. Isn't that nuts? And it was the 90s. That blows my mind. Yeah. Well, and we did make a remark to that where um, uh, I think it was Tim who said that the house now reminded him more of a Del more like a DeLorean than a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, it's fun, and it's fun because now we're actually kind of open, and we're seeing that this is kind of like a kind of like a there's sci-fi elements to the story for sure. Yep. That's, that's what's, that's been really, sometimes it's been kind of fun to dance around, but it's been, we've been doing a dance trying to, cause like it, it definitely, I get, we've been using the word sci-fi, but we haven't really been able to show it too much yet. So. Yeah. So what can you tell us about next week's episode? Not a damn thing. Ooh, dang it. <laughs> I think we could give, can we give them some kind of teaser? I think for sure. Um, for sure, they're going to 1994. Five? Five, four. four. I don't know. I actually don't know. I'm just like. Well, and actually, that's the question. Did 1994, choose... 1995, where do they end up? Did you choose 1994 slash 1995 for a significant reason or other than it was around 25 years back? It was just the right time for our story. Yeah. 
it, it really did. There was also like, as we uh, dug into things that happened around that time period and all that, it just really worked out well. Like the more stuff we went into, it really, it, it felt like that piece just kind of popped into place. Yeah. Like, and I think we've had a lot of that, like in our writing. Yeah. That does have, that happens a lot for me when I'm writing stuff though. Like things just kind of work out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, yeah, it's like it's just meant to be. But that time works great for us. Plus, I'm a guy, I'm a 90s guy, and like the mid 90s is my shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, basically it's Tim and Tristan in the mid 90s um, trying to go back and stop a plane crash. Yeah. So really, what what does that mean? Like that's that's what you guys have to be thinking. What can time be changed? What are they even changing? Um, all that stuff. Is it like the butterfly effect? If they kill a butterfly accidentally when they go back, it's going to change everything, and everybody it's raining toasters all of a sudden. <laughs> I guess there'll be a couple episodes before you find that out. Essence <laughs> <laughs> House, it rains toasters. Yeah, the toast. She gave it away. It's all just a prequel for uh, like Cloverfield or something. That's how the monsters created. <laughs> they went back in time, and now you've got Cloverfield. So, if you could go back to 1994 and like experience some something, I guess some sort of pop culture thing, what would it be? I would have, uh, I think, like, around that time, I was really big, uh, like, Green Day fan. Uh, also, Offspring. Like, they used to be on the radio. Or on the, um, They're on the radio all the time, but they're also, like, on MTV every morning. I'd put on the videos while I was eating my cereal. And um, I would have made a better effort to go see one of those bands, probably particularly Green Day, like, in their prime um there's actually a reference um, in next the in episode four. There's a reference of something that they would have done, like um, had they had the information that they had now. Um, that was a lot of fun to write in there. I would have done. Um, uh, I just said it. Woodstock, Woodstock '94. Yeah. Oh shoot! Yeah. I forgot about that. Well, because I mean, that's Woodstock '94 was huge. Uh, Metallica was there. Primus was there. That was the first. I mean, that's when um, Green Day really hit it. Mm. Like that's when they really came out. I remember actually, I was at Christian camp that whole summer. I actually worked at a Christian camp that summer, and I went from and we didn't have access to radio or anything, so I went from Nirvana's the biggest thing in the world and all this kind of stuff, and I get back and everyone's talking green day and i'm like who the hell is green day like what's up and so um on in in canada we didn't have mtv we had much music and so they would have the uh the videos uh from woodstock playing like all day long and so i got to watch that and that was just amazing watching like billy joe hurling mud back at the the crowd and everything like that was just dude you know that would be killer. 
I went to um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this past summer. Um, they had a Woodstock exhibit because it was, what, 50 years or whatever. Um, and it was weird because when you first get into it, the first thing on display was Billy Joe Armstrong's muddy shoes. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was like, this was the 50 years of Woodstock exhibit, and it kicked off with that. Like, it was like, really weird. Not, it's not, not anything a little more, I guess, but it's so old now. Just had like, this is history. And had that on there, too. But, yeah, it was... Yeah, but weird that that was it but right like shouldn't you have had like Jimi hendrix's burning yeah. guitar or something it's like thing, right there was a lot of that stuff too like towards the front but the very first case had billy joe armstrong's shoes it was really bizarre it was kind of that was in a preview area to the whole thing but Maybe yeah to get people to come in they're like check out these shoes <laughs> It's funny because I've never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm I'm lucky. I've never been to Cleveland. Screw you, Cleveland. <laughs> and, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. You just killed all your Cleveland fans. <laughs> Both of them. Um, and uh, <laughs> I know, like that guy. He's cr- <laughs> we have seven pages. That guy already has his right tear. His tear is already tattooed on his face, so he doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, but. My, a buddy of mine went there in the early 2000s, I think like 2006 or something. And he said he went there and the first thing he saw was Britney Spears. Oh. Like this big display of Britney Spears. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how is that? The First off, she, she couldn't have been in, inducted by that point. Still hasn't been. But wh- why was she the first thing that you were seeing? Why is she in there? Like... The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is weird. <laughs> not like that. Not like the first thing I saw when I walked in was the uh, CBGB awning. That was cool. See, uh, that's badass. And then when you got up to it, like it was, um, it was Woodstock, and then it fed into like the blues artists, oh, cool. um, and how that, and it kind of told the story of that turning into rock and roll, with um, like then it went to Elvis and the Beatles and all that. And then when I was there, there was the also the um, special exhibit of the Vans Warped Tour, um, and that was oh, really cool because this was the last year of Vans Warped Tour, and it was cool seeing like some of the stuff from the last several years because you always saw that on TV or uh, a couple. Like I went to a couple of them, and so that was a cool exhibit. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was really cool. It had a lot of very pertinent like actual rock stuff, so it's improved at least since then. <laughs> What about you, Jess? If you went back to that time period, what would you want to be a part of? Shoot, I don't know. I might have to use Google because <laughs> <laughs> I know what Jess would do. What now? Jess would go online and find when there was um, some sort of big alien sighting. And she would go there and she would be ready to sit and document it. Alien sighting or UFO sightings, nineteen ninety four. See, she's already on it. Hey, Jess, time yeah. travel isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of great movies in 1994, though. Like, how long do I get to go back for? Longer than just watching a movie. You know, you can rent it now, right? <laughs> but no, I want to go to a 1994 movie theater like when I, and like experience a 1994 movie. 
You mean before they had the great cushy chairs? Yeah. You want to go to a shitty theater to watch the movie? It's like you watch it at home, guys. <laughs> yes, all these films are available on the internet or streaming service. In 1994, if you wanted to see a movie on opening night or see it before your friends, you had to go to the theater at fucking midnight. Yeah, right? Now you can go on Thursday at 7 p.m. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I remember going and waiting, you know, sitting in line, you know, waiting for the midnight show. I feel like you're one of those ones you'd go back in time and you'd be like, I'm going to watch The Heathers. <laughs> the Heathers. I would probably... Go back in time to take, take advantage of the gas prices. Or the whole show. Oh, guys, gas prices. I was going to say, I'd probably... Because I think I remember sneaking in. I, I was Because it was rated R. I was actually... I snuck in to watch Pulp Fiction and I kept going to the movie theater and kept sneaking back in to watch it because I was like, huh, this filmmaking is interesting, you know. I remember the first time I watched The Crow. Ooh, the Crow is also on four movies. It was messed up because I ended up having a party at my house. My mom rented the movie for us to watch and a couple others. I had a bunch of friends over, and it was the day before Halloween. Mm. And the movie takes place on the day before Halloween. And we had no idea. And that just screwed our brains because we were like, we we were in Canada. We didn't even know there was a devil's night. <laughs> we were like, wait, you can be a piece of shit a day earlier? Really? <laughs> we had no idea. So, Thank you so much for watching the Essence House After Show. Check out the next episode on Patreon next week? Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. And if you don't have it, then you wouldn't be able to see this video. So it doesn't matter. And I will tell you the name of the episode is Into Ooh. the Essence. Ooh. Juicy. I like it. That's a really good teaser. Yeah. Thank Peace. you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Keep loving podcasts. Podcast. Ooh. <laughs>